Let's face it, money matters can be confusing. And with something as important as having enough for retirement, it's comforting to know help is just a phone call away. Wealth Managers LLC has helped clients pursue their financial goals since 1984. When it comes to investment advice, experience matters. If you need financial guidance, the folks at Wealth Managers LLC can help. The number is 800-497-9995. Once again, that's 800-497-9995 or wealthmanagersllc.com. After all, money doesn't take care of itself. Securities and advisory services offered through registered representatives of Satira Advisor Network, LLC. Member FINRA and SIPC. Wealth Managers, LLC is independent of Satira Advisor Networks, LLC. The following show, How to Be a Great Investor with your host, Richard Everett, is underwritten by Wealth Managers, LLC. Make sure that you have a legal binding will in the state that you live in. So you should know that the primary reason or purpose for buying life insurance is really to replace lost income. Uh, Car loans, furniture loans, all those types of things you should try to get rid of as soon as you possibly can. Proverbs 13.22 says, A good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. If he invested $100 per month at a 9% return over 40 years, it accumulates to half a million dollars. I always tease my students when I teach this course, you want to have an emergency fund. Other things you should consider is planning your funeral. Today's show is called Getting Your Financial House in Order. Welcome to How to Be a Great Investor with Richard Everett. Richard started his career in the financial services industry back in 1984. He's the founder and past president of the Everett Financial Group. Richard was also a member of the International Association of Financial Planners and was named Financial Planner of the Year in 1996 by First Financial Planners. In addition to teaching hundreds of seminars, he's hosted his own radio and television shows and has authored several books on finance, including Whatever Happened to the Promised Land. Richard has taught his biblically-based financial principles in churches, conferences, Bible colleges, and universities, including Yale University's School of Management Believers in Business Conference. And now, How to Be a Great Investor with Richard Everett. Welcome, I'm Richard Everett, your host of How to Be a Great Investor. My goal is to help teach you the art of investing through biblical wisdom and contemporary investment insight. And I have some great news for you. I'm retired. I don't have any products to sell or agenda to push. Just common sense principles I have learned over my 30-year career in finance. No hype, just facts. Today's show is called Getting Your Financial House in Order. We're going to go through seven principles today. I want to start off by reading to you from 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8 in the Living Bible. But anyone who won't care for his own relatives when they need help, especially those living in their own family, has no right to say he is a Christian. Such a person is worse than a heathen. So we're going to just go over seven principles of how to get your financial house in order. Number one is to make sure you have an emergency fund. 
Typically, that's anywhere from three to six months liquid savings. Generally, you want to do that in a savings account or a money market account. And why is that important? I always tease my students when I teach this course is that you want to have an emergency fund. And by having an emergency fund, you won't have an emergency. If you don't have an emergency fund, you'll have an emergency. So the safest thing to do is to make sure you have an emergency fund. One of the examples I like to use is from from the Bible. One of my favorite stories in the Bible about why you should have an emergency fund or why they're valuable is from Genesis chapter 41. It's the story of Joseph interpreting Pharaoh's dream. And the bottom line of that whole story is uh, Joseph said, And now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh appoint a commissioner over the land and take a fifth or 20% of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. And they should collect all the food of these good years that are coming and store up the grain under the authority of Pharaoh. The food should be held in reserve for the country to be used during the seven years of famine that will come upon the land, so that the country may not be ruined by the famine. So you get the point of that, don't you? Joseph recommended to Pharaoh that they take 20% of the harvest and put it away in case there was emergency. And of course, there was an emergency. So, If you remember, Noah built the ark before it started raining. He was prepared for the emergency. The second thing that should be part of your getting your financial house in order is life insurance. Now, I promise you I'm not going to spend a lot of time on life insurance. I don't want to put you to sleep. As far as life insurance goes, I've had uh, Christians come to me over the years and say, well, gee, why should a Christian buy life insurance? Uh, isn't that a lack of showing a lack of faith? And my response is, well, we're all going to die. We all have expiration dates and we all have a limited shelf life. So you should know that the primary reason or purpose for buying life insurance is really to replace lost income. And I'll share a story with you. I go back years and years ago. Um, one of a, our Sunday school teachers, believe it or not, did a Sunday school. Um, one of our Sunday school teachers did a class on life insurance, and it made a lot of sense to me. He explained to my wife and I that the purpose of life insurance is to replace lost income. So my wife was making $25,000 a year. I was making $25,000 a year. And he says, Rich, all you got to do is go out and buy $250,000 worth of term insurance on each of you, which was very inexpensive. And if either of you died, you can invest that $250,000, let us say, in a mutual fund. And again, assuming you could get a 10 or 12% return, that would generate the income that you needed if one of you died. And it made perfect sense to me. And that's exactly what we did is go out and buy $250,000 worth of insurance. But fortunately, neither of us died. We'll be back with more How to Be a Great Investor with Richard Everett. To get your free copy of Richard's informative report, What My Family Should Know, visit greatinvestor.org. Your copy of this informative report, What My Family Should Know, is absolutely free with no obligation. It's full of great information that will help you and your family in your retirement. And if you have specific questions for Richard, you can email him at info at greatinvestor.org. That's G-R-E-A-T-I-N-V-E-S-T-O-R dot org. 
And now, back to How to Be a Great Investor with Richard Everett. So there's different types of life insurance. There's, for instance, there's whole life. That's a cash value. You, you pay a lot more for that. But some of the money goes into a savings plan. Uh, you have a universal life, which basically works the same way as whole life, except that internal return is a little bit higher. And then you even have a variable universal life that allows you to invest the savings portion in the stock market if you so desire. The problem I have with these types of policies, these cash value policies, is that the life insurance company actually gets to keep your cash value in most cases. And let me illustrate. If you had a $100,000 whole life insurance policy and you had it for a number of years and you built up a cash value of, let's say, 50000 and you died, your beneficiary only gets the face amount or the $100,000. The 50000 cash value is kept by the insurance company. So doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that's not a great investment. And that's the reason, that, at least for my family, we've always done term insurance. And you can buy term that's much less expensive, doesn't have a cash value, uh, but you can buy term insurance for a five-year period, 10, 20, even to age 120 um, in today's day and age. I, my current policy that I have uh, expires when I'm 105 years old, which I'm probably not going to make. But here's the thing, because you'll have an insurance agent tell you, well, you don't want to buy term because it's like renting insurance versus buying insurance. But really, that's nonsense. If you buy term insurance and invest the difference, for example, term insurance is so so much less expensive that you can actually take the difference that you would have paid for a whole life policy and invested in a mutual fund. For example, if you invested $100 per month at a 9% return over 40 years, it accumulates to half a million dollars. That's a big deal. And the nice thing about that half a million dollars that you've accumulated, it's in a separate outside account in your mutual fund or retirement account. That goes to your family if you die, unlike the cash value in a whole life or universal life policy. All right. Hopefully you're still awake and we're going to move on to number three. Make sure that you have a legal binding will in the state that you live in. Some states... Believe it or not, if you die intestate, or in other words, if you die without a will, the probate system will dictate that half of your estate goes to your living spouse and the other half goes to your children. Now, I want you to think about that for a second because that could be a potential disaster. Uh, I want to give you a true story of uh, clients of mine that go back a number of years ago. Every year they would come in to see me for the review, and every year I would say to them, did you do your will yet? Did you do your will yet? Did you do your will yet? And the answer was always the same. Yeah, we'll get to it. Yeah, we'll get to it. Well, they never got around to it. Now, this was a blended family, a husband, a wife. Both were had children from a previous marriage. The wife had a daughter, and the uh, husband had two sons from a previous marriage. He was a tradesman, um, and they owned two homes, the home they lived in, and they owned investment property. Well, unfortunately, I got a call one day, and they were in a terrible accident. The wife had fallen asleep behind the wheel, and the husband was sleeping without a seatbelt, and they hit a bridge abutment. He was killed instantly, and she survived. Well, she came in to see me, and she goes, what can I do now? And the answer is really not much. So think about this, folks. I just told you that she gets half, and those three children get the other half. So how do you divide two homes between those survivors 
what happens to the business? He was an electrician. Well, the kids aren't electricians and the wife is an electrician. So the business was worth nothing. And they couldn't figure out how to settle the estate. After two years, the probate judge locked him into a room and says, nobody gets out of here until you come up with a solution. And unfortunately, the solution was to sell everything and divide the money up. So the wife only got half the money after selling the homes and and selling everything else. And the three kids got the other half, forcing mom to go live in an apartment because she couldn't afford to live in a house anymore. That could have been avoided if they simply went out and spent a couple hundred dollars and got a legal binding will. Also, the reason you want a will is because of guardianship. If you have minor children and something happens to you as the parents, the probate judge is not going to know who you want to appoint to take care of your children. So they may end up going up for adoption. They may go into foster homes. And certainly that can be avoided by simply just naming in your will who you want to take care of your children. Stay tuned for more great information on how to be a great investor with Richard Everett. To get your free copy of Richard's informative report, What My Family Should Know, visit greatinvestor.org. Your copy of this informative report, What My Family Should Know, is absolutely free with no obligation. It's full of great information that will help you and your family in your retirement. And if you have specific questions for Richard, you can email him at info at greatinvestor.org. That's G-R-E-A-T-I-N-V-E-S-T-O-R dot org. You're listening to How to Be a Great Investor with Richard Everett. The next thing we want to talk about, or number four, is to reduce or eliminate your debt. Romans 13.3 says, owe no man anything. Proverbs 3.27 says, don't withhold your payment of your debts. In other words, pay them on time. And Psalms 37.21 says, a wicked person borrows and does not pay back. And here's the thing, folks. Overdue bills signify broken promises. So my suggestion is that you prioritize or make put a list together of your debt and get rid of anything that has a high interest rate or is not tax deductible. For example, credit card debt is not tax deductible. And typically, you should really take a look. Sometimes credit cards can charge you as much as 20 or 24%. And that's completely a waste of money. And of course, you, don't, you can't deduct it either. Uh, car loans, furniture loans, all those types of things you should try to get rid of as soon as you possibly can. Another thing you should consider is paying down your mortgage. A $300,000 mortgage will cost the borrower nearly an additional $250,000 of interest over a 30-year period of time. That's outrageous. I mean, who in their right mind would want to waste $250,000? So you can pay your mortgage down. Most mortgage companies um, will allow you to do so. And you can do something as little as $100 or $200 extra per month on your payment. You can actually shorten your 30-year mortgage by anywhere from five to seven years and save tens of thousands of dollars. Now, I've had folks say to me, well, I don't have extra money to pay down my mortgage. But if you think about it, if you get a tax refund, you know, most of us go out and blow the tax refund. But if you get, you know, $500, $700, even a couple thousand dollars, instead of blowing it, why not just prepay your mortgage and you'll be debt free sooner? If you need help, Reducing debt or getting counseling, you can uh, check out everydollar.com. They have a budget app. 
You can call Consumer Credit Counseling. Just look them up on the web. You can look at Crown Financial. Or you can do freecreditreports.com. And and it's important, folks, to look at your credit report every once in a while to see if there's any disputes or errors on your credit report. And again, if you want to reduce your debt, there's only uh, three ways to doing it that I'm aware of. Make more money. Go out and get another part-time job if that is going to help. Or sell assets or spend less money. The next thing I want to talk about is retirement planning. Most of us are going to live long enough to retire, so you really should do some advanced planning. Now, here's the funny thing. I'd have potential clients come into my office over the years and say, gee, can you put a retirement plan together for me? And my response was always the same. I can actually put a perfect retirement plan together for you if I know your date of death. How long are you going to live? And, of course, no one knows that. At least that's scary if they do. But there's a lot of things, a lot of factors that go into calculating a perfect retirement plan. You need your what your current age is. You need to know what your life expectancy, what your lifestyle is going to be, what inflation rates are going to be, what interest rates are going to be, and what your investment returns. So it's not easy to do that. But the point is that you should plan for retirement. And I don't think there's a such thing as having too much money. I mean, you have folks now living into their 100, 105 that have outlived their money. My great-grandmother actually outlived her money for, before she passed away years ago. Just remember, folks, Ecclesiastes 3.2 says there's a time to plant or save and there's a time to harvest or spend or live off your savings. Just a short summary on some of the retirement plans that are available. Most folks that work for a company are able to take advantage of a 401k. A lot of 401ks will match your contributions with 25 or 50% of what you put in. 403bs are simply retirement plans for nonprofits like hospitals or schools. Um, SEPs or Simplified Employee Pension Plans are available for self-employed people. So are simple plans. Um, And you really should take advantage of any plan that matches your contribution. That's free money. You don't want to waste that. On an individual basis, you can... On an individual basis, you can take advantage of an individual retirement account or IRA. You can also do a Roth IRA. And the difference between the two is that a Roth allows you to build money on a tax-deferred basis. But when you retire and take the money out, it comes out tax-free. That's a huge deal, folks. I mean, you can put in, let's say, $5,000 a year into a Roth and over a 30- or 40-year period of time, it could accumulate to a half a million dollars. When you retire, you can take that half a million dollars and not pay a penny tax. I would encourage anyone that is eligible to do a Roth to take advantage of the law. By the way, if you have a retirement plan from an old uh, employer that's just sitting around, you might want to consider rolling it over into your own IRA account, which you are able to do. I think you want to consider rolling over an old retirement plan because you now have control of it. I mean, think about it. Enron went out of business. Those folks uh, that had their money invested in Enron stock and inside of their retirement plan lost an awful lot of money. But by rolling it over, you open up the entire universe of mutual funds. And that's a big deal. I mean, uh, you have thousands to choose from as opposed to leaving it in your existing employer or previous employer, rather, and only having maybe 20 or 25 choices. Make sure you name a primary beneficiary on your retirement plan. 
whether it's new or old, and also make sure you have a contingent beneficiary. But that simply means if your spouse is uh, your primary and you both pass away at the same time, you certainly want your children or grandchildren named as contingent beneficiaries. And make sure that all those accounts are up to date. Reasons that you need to update your accounts and documents and your beneficiaries are if you have a new child or grandchild, if you move to another state, not all state laws are the same, especially for wills. If you have a sale or purchase of a major asset, um, one of your beneficiaries is deceased, you've divorced or remarried, and death of the executor or trustee that you would name in your will. So you want to revisit those on a periodic basis. Next thing we want to talk about is college planning. Uh, Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 14 that, after all, children should not have to save up for their parents, but their parents for their children. Um, college costs an awful lot of money. Private colleges typically are around $30,000 a year now, and that means you have to save an awful, awful lot of money over a long period of time. Typically, uh, believe it or not, anywhere from $250 a month to $1,000 a month to accumulate that much money. Best way to do that is a 529 plan. 529 plans, if used for higher education, are tax-free for the recipient. That's a big deal. Uh, And that also is, under the current new law, it can also be used for religious uh, schools. You're listening to How to Be a Great Investor with Richard Everett. We'll be back in just a moment. To get your free copy of Richard's informative report, What My Family Should Know, visit greatinvestor.org. Your copy of this informative report, What My Family Should Know, is absolutely free with no obligation. It's full of great information that will help you and your family in your retirement. And if you have specific questions for Richard, you can email him at info at greatinvestor.org. That's G-R-E-A-T-I-N-V-E-S-T-O-R, And now, back to How to Be a Great Investor with Richard Everett. Well, the last thing we want to talk about is estate planning. Proverbs 13.22 says, A good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. So the way you do some basic estate planning, make sure you have a will, which we just talked about earlier. Make sure you have a living will. A living will is nothing more than a health care directive that simply means that if you were in an accident or a coma, do you want the plug pulled? I could share with you so many stories about how that has been a disaster in families because they have not had a health care directive. The third thing you want to do as part of an estate plan is make sure you have power of attorney. My mother-in-law was in a, a nursing home for years. And my wife had power of attorney. She was able to transact business for um, my uh, mother-in-law instead of having to petition the court. Right now, even though my wife and I are both healthy, she is my power of attorney and vice versa. So extremely important. One of the other things you should consider is planning your funeral. As morbid as it sounds, I want to share a real story with you. My grandmother called me years ago and she goes, Richard, your grandfather just passed away. She says, I need you to come out to Ohio because I don't know if I'm rich or if I'm poor. And so I did. I flew out there and I tried to help her through the process. And one of the things that we had to do was go to the funeral home. And I saw her agonize over making decisions for my grandfather's funeral, so much so that I vowed when I got home 
that I would, one of the first things I would do was go to a funeral home and pre-plan, not prepay, but pre-plan my funeral so I wouldn't have to put my wife through that process. And then the other thing that I noticed when I was out uh, visiting my grandmother for my grandfather's funeral is that my grandfather's finances were not organized at all. It took me almost three weeks to figure out what they even had. And so I vowed again when I went came home was that I would get a uh, document and do a spreadsheet for my wife so that if I died, she knew where everything was. She knew where our retirement plans were, who our insurance agents were. Um, when I was eligible for Social Security, was expected to get all that I put into a, a document that's called What My Family Should Know. And I do update that for my wife every year. And by the way, folks, if you would like that document, you can have it for free by just simply going to our website, greatinvestors.org. Uh, you can and you can download what my family should know. I fill it in every year in pencil and uh, give it to my wife, and um, I feel good about doing that. So if something happened to me, not only does she have to go through the grieving process, but she won't have to go through all the agony of planning a funeral and also uh, figuring out where everything is. Let me close with a final story. A number of years ago, I was helping a couple with their estate plan, and they started to have this discussion. The husband turns to his wife and asks if she would want to continue to live in their home if he died. Well, she thought about it for a minute and said, well, sure, of course I would. We've lived there forever. Why would I want to move? So he asked her if she were to get remarried, would her new husband also live in the house? She replied, well, I'm not going to get remarried, but if I did, certainly we would live in the same house. So he thought about that for a second, and he asked her about the car, his prized Corvette. Would she let him drive the car? Well, she said, well, I'm not going to get remarried, but if I did, I mean, why let it sit in the garage? Of course I would let her drive the Corvette. Well, the husband was taken back a little bit by the way the conversation was going, and he prepared himself to ask the final question. Well, if you did remarry, would you allow him to use my golf clubs? And she says, oh, no, absolutely not. He's left-handed. May God bless you and may God bless America. You've been listening to How to Be a Great Investor with Richard Everett. See you next time. To get your free copy of Richard's informative report, What My Family Should Know, visit greatinvestor.org. Your copy of this informative report, What My Family Should Know, is absolutely free with no obligation. It's full of great information that will help you and your family in your retirement. And if you have specific questions for Richard, you can email him at info at greatinvestor.org. That's G-R-E-A-T-I-N-V-E-S-T-O-R dot org. Give yourself peace of mind. Get Richard's report. Visit greatinvestor.org. Harriet, did you see my social security check in today's mail? Yes, I did, Ozzy. How are we supposed to live on that? I don't think we can. Maybe you'll need to get a job. Very funny. Maybe you can get another wife. All kidding aside, what should we do? Well, why don't we call the professionals at Wealth Managers, LLC? 
I hear they help people with retirement planning. It's important to get good advice. Great idea, Harriet. It's never too late to start planning. I happen to have their number right here. It's 800-497-9995. Securities and advisory services offered through registered representatives of Satir Advisor Networks, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC. Wealth Managers, LLC is independent of Satir Advisor Networks, LLC, and can be reached at 800-497-9995 or wealthmanagersllc.com.